Hi, my name is Michael Coleman, and welcome to the Outpost podcast series. For those of you who haven't attended an Outpost event, the Outpost is a weekend retreat of engaging activities, great food, amazing performances, and opportunities to spark new connections with like-minded people, brands, and agencies from varied industries and backgrounds. In each episode, we sit down with musicians, artists, outdoor enthusiasts, and talk about their creative process and what inspires them to create amazing work. I hope you enjoy. I'm really happy to have a fantastic panel today. Um, we're, the, the topic is brands, processes, and ingredients, and we have a really incredible panel today. Uh, we're here on the side of Mammoth Mountain. We can look outside and see grooming happening, some slopes being uh, carved, and um, in, we're all inside here surrounded by a bunch of really incredible people, and we're going to have a great conversation over the next um, about hour. So I'd love for you guys just to introduce yourself, tell a little bit about who you are and your involvement with your company, and um, I'd love to start with you, Kyle. Uh, my name's Kyle McHugh. I work for Bullet Bourbon. Uh, I've been with Bullet for about a little over six months now. I've worked with the brand for almost four years. Uh, I reign in the California region, so West Coast. Uh, all up and down, mostly San Francisco and LA, but uh, we obviously travel outward. Um, it is nice to be here, so thanks for having awesome. having me out here. But um, yeah, so uh, I am a cultural ambassador or frontiersman. So I do education, I do um, uh, presentations. I know any question you would have or can find out any question you can have um, about the brand. So uh, it's a lot of experiential. Uh, a lot of consumer reach, trade reach, um, festivals, all that kind of stuff. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. My name's James Foster. I'm the head winemaker for Stave and Still Wines. Uh, been making wine for uh, over 17 years, and this one's been a really a passion project for over the last three years. So we're pretty excited to have a bourbon barrel aged Cabernet to talk about today. Awesome. I'm Ashley. I came from Bend. I work for Timberell Brewing Company. I've been with the company off and on for little over four years. Um, I've been the event coordinator for all brewery events for almost a year and a half now. Um, I love it. I think that my passion for the outdoors is why Jack pulled me along. Um, but, I'm uh, sure it wasn't that hard, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm super glad to be here and hopefully can answer some questions. Yep. And I'm Jack, the other half of the Timberwolf crew. Um, we're both kind of on the event side, uh, activation being the fancy word, but um, kind of cover the events world for Timberwolf across the country or wherever we're doing events, basically. Um, both, I hail out of Bend as well. Um, only been with the brewery for about a year and a half now, but uh, I've been in the craft beer world for about five, six years now. So yeah, super stoked to answer some questions and talk about some cool beverages. <laughs> There's a theme here of <laughs> beverages. It's good. <laughs> um, so I'd love to open up the conversation to talk about uh, branding in general, because I think um, a lot of times, you know, people are introduced through a product through maybe um, a traditional retail store, you know, going down the aisle. Maybe it's a referral from a friend. Maybe it's something that is targeted through social media or something like that. Um, what do you find today are you guys excited about when it comes to getting your brand out there? what works, what doesn't work. Go for it. Yeah, when it comes to Stave and Still, uh, I have to say, first of all, we have an amazing marketing team that really thought out of the box on this one. Uh, with this packaging, we went with a uh, blacked out bottle, which is really disruptive on the, bo on the, on the, on the, on the shelf. Uh, really cool steampunk uh, looking type label that really, you know, kind of, you know, spits out, you know, different images and talks about a little bit of a bourbon and the, the wine mixing together. 
um, yeah, we're just super excited about this one just being just a, one, a great package to look at on the shelf. I think it gets our consumers to grab it off the off the shelf. And it's my job as the winemaker to get the consumers to come back and buy it again and again uh, with the quality that's inside the bottle. So, yeah, I think our marketing and the packages looks uh, pretty incredible. Awesome. Go for it, Kyle. Um, I, I see this is something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about as well. Uh, I guess your ideal or your your normal marketing strategy is you know you've had commercials you've had all those other things but uh in this day and age it's a lot of social media uh word of mouth experience um i think that we definitely play in that area a lot more than we do others um even myself and my team uh we get out there we do build outs we do bars we interact with people engage with people so um i believe the question was asked before that you know if we were to take the label off and you just had the liquid in the bottle um, and, and the bottle, like what makes it stand out different from every, you know, every other whiskey. And it's the experience, you know, we wanted to highlight the fun you're having or the beautiful, you know, imagery around you, or, you know, the juice has to be good, obviously. And mm-hmm. that speaks for yourself. Um, but it's really about the experience that you have with it and the people that we choose to involve with it, you know, uh, or that do it on their own, you know? So I think word of mouth is, is huge. You know, bullet doesn't really have commercials i mean there's some youtube stuff out there but you know it's mostly word of mouth and experience and social media youtube that you guys have put out there or youtube other people put out there <laughs> yeah say other people, <laughs> other people. <laughs> all right understandable um, how about you guys cool um i was going to comment our brand per se is kind of twofold we um we actually just went through a complete rebrand of all of our cans which i don't know i didn't grab in the office and bring anyway so is this is this the old one no this pub beer uh, hasn't really changed it got cleaned okay. up just a little bit but um all it of our its own story yeah that's our thing and all of our uh brands are going all into cans next year which has never been done but our brand is twofold one it's about the liquid and the marketing and the packaging right because everyone knows craft beer these days there's a bajillion craft breweries how do you set yourself apart on the shelf with a bajillion craft breweries? But then it's also the lifestyle side, which Ashley can speak to more too, but it's such a lifestyle brand. You know, at some points I question, I mean, we make fantastic beers, but some points I question that a lot of our employees and people that work at the brewery are more passionate about the lifestyle side and beer kind of comes second and goes along with it. Yeah. But it's um, like, how do we make a beer that allows us to take a trip to the coast? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We get a free trip out of this. If you drink enough of it. Yeah, exactly. You can end up there. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, you'll see on our new branding of our cans, there's a, um, we're kind of going, uh, some of you saw the trail beer that we brought this week as well. Uh, We feature like a different artist. uh, I'm sorry, different photographer with some sort of outdoor kind of uh, photo that mimics the, the season we're in. We switch it up and uh, give some to charity. I think 1% of all the sales of trail beer goes to POW, uh, protect our winners. And I think we're going to do Outdoor Alliance over the summer and the fall as well. Um, but again, just the, the lifestyle of the of the beer is is um, is very a big part of the brand, uh, just yeah. as much as the, the packaging is in, in story and stuff like that. So Yeah, think- our thing is all about, like, we drink beer, we brew beer. Um, and we, we just love to be in the outdoors. We love the outside aspect, lifestyle pieces of it. Um, and we like, we would want people to choose our beer because it's what they would do in those activities kind of a thing, whether it's a lager because it's light, maybe you're more of an IPA, maybe you're an IRA. Trail beer was a great, um, start to, I think the charitable organizations that were pulling in nationally with the cans. Um, and so kind of like. Proving that like our brand's more than just beer. 
Like we are going to give back. We're going to do things. It goes beyond gonna... just the packaging, right? Yeah, sure. The stuff you see on the wall. So the experiences isn't it, that you're yeah. talking about. So. so when you guys think of um, how, how you tell your story, I feel like in today's world, people love to talk about the competition, how much noise there is within the marketplace. Does that at all come in within when you guys are having your marketing meetings, you're talking about how are we going to make an impact this year? How are we going to make a difference? How are we going to sell more, you know, whatever new product might be? What, what are the types of conversations you guys have is it a lot of looking around, looking at what other people are doing, or is it just kind of heads down, this is what we're going to do, we're going to stick behind, you know, what we believe is going to be the best kind of foot forward? Uh, I'll jump in there. Yeah. Um, uh, w- what I really liked about last night, uh, you know, when Burton did their presentation was the authenticity thing, you know what I mean? Right. Um, obviously, I feel like everything's been done before, you know, whether it be cocktails or any kind of marketing or anything like that. So. When it gets into that, you know, you're you're not recreating the wheel, you know, but you can actually come from somebody's point of view and a lot of people can, you know, like it or, or come into it. And um, when it came to, like, say, Bullet, we definitely recognize other brands that are doing a lot. You know, we, you know, I'm not going to say any names, but like, yes, they do this well. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this one is like, wow, they really don't do this well, or they're just throwing up all over the market, and, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of, you know, overbearing. But um, yeah. so we take those and know what we do and don't want to do. But at the end of the day, um, the people that, you know, Bullet or Diageo hires, it comes down to they want people who can get in the market, get get out with the people, do stuff like this with Outpost and, and these other brands and really integrate and see what is fun, what is what is the lifestyle, what is the experience and how can we, you know, portray that through the brand, keeping the brand obviously authentic and, and good and the liquid good, but how can we do that but do it a little differently, you know what I mean, and, and artistically. I think art and, and a lot of those old school things that it were, you know, big and now they're kind of making a comeback, you know, like tattoo, we've done some stuff with tattoo. We've done some stuff with neon. Um, you know, we're doing some stuff with bottle rubbing now. Um, but it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it definitely depends on the brand, but I wouldn't say that it, I don't like to look at, look at it like competition. I like to look, look at it like, you know, a way to define yourself from others in a sense, you know, what about you for James? That's a great, great story. When it comes to Stave and Steel, we have an innovation department that really sit there and lock themselves in a room and, and geek out on what's trending and what's what's uh, going to be new, what's going to be hitting the millennials. And, uh, you know, the thought of the bourbon craze and everything, bourbon's trending upwards. And like, hey, why don't we put some Cabernet in a, in a bourbon barrel? I'm like, that's like the awesome idea. So my story really kind of, you know, I called up Heaven Hills Distillery out of Kentucky and I ordered up eight barrels and... Uh, uh, got them into the winery and they came to the winery they're called freshly dumped in your industry and and uh, which is really a cool term and they came to the winery and had the wooden bungs on them and i popped the bung and put my nose i'm like this is going to be phenomenal i'm going to love every bit of this so i uh, started experimenting and uh, for staven still it was like a two-year uh, testing process to make sure we got it right uh but yeah but this really came out of our innovation and and, and what's trending and you know we need to keep doing that as a as an organization as a as a as a group to you know you know offer great and exciting brands and wines and other beverages to our to our customers. Is that something that was internally discussed or was it just like one day, let's do it? It was internally discussed uh, in, a, in a room and, and they came, when they came to me, I said, that's awesome, let's make it happen. Okay. And so and the testing just started happening right after that. And, and like I said, we did two years of testing to make sure we had the right uh, 
amount of uh, bourbon esque flavors. I'll, I, can, I can talk a little bit more about it a little bit. We later can test on. it too. I mean, yeah, you don't yeah, have, have to no talk about it. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it was fun. It's it's cool. It's unique. It's different. Not a lot of in people in our industry were doing it at the time. And it's kind of funny when Steven still launched uh, a couple of other. Uh, brands popped on the market too but uh, i got some things that we're pretty proud about to talk about when it comes to statement steel perfect and uh, someone want to point out how can you guys give us a sense of how old this you guys group has been together how long you guys because it's a new newish endeavor right yeah yeah 10 barrel started in 2006 yeah in bend oregon and they were just running off of um <clears throat> the brothers that started the company were just running off they owned a bar and they had a 10 barrel system that they had in someone one of their basements or their parents house or something um, two years later, they make, got it a little bigger. They were distributing through Bend. Um, they sort of um, they bought a bigger space for the Timberell system and some small distribution, like locally, could could happen. Um, 2009 distribution opened up um, into like Portland and the west coast of um, Oregon, a little bit on the south. Um, and then soon after that, they were able to um, gather a distributor. Our first pub started opening. Um, and all that jazz, and it's just has skyrocketed since then. Now we have five pubs in five different locations. Each pub has its own personalized brewery. We now just upgraded to a massive office space, whereas before we were working in a room about this size. Literally this size. Yeah. <laughs> we actually had the office now, I guess. Yeah, we, yeah we didn't have one before, and that was just last May. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, we've been around 11 years now. I was going to comment. You said the word authentic before, which I think is – a perfect way to answer your question. Of, yeah. You know, we we actually missed our marketing meeting today. Everyone was about an hour. Actually, I think they're in it right now. Yeah. We can Skype them in. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but so I don't know if everyone is familiar with our brand. We were acquired by Anheuser Busch about four, yeah, three years ago. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, regardless of what your, your views are, are on all that stuff, um, our brewery and even just all of the craft breweries within that portfolio, if you will. Um, basically every day in our marketing meeting is how do, how do we maintain that authenticity, right? There, there's very minimal influence from an AB standpoint, um, which I think is a big perception that a lot of people think of you need to make this beer, you need to do this. Um, and honestly, in the whole portfolio, we are looked at as the problem child because yeah, we give we a big F you all the time. Because um, we just don't give a fuck, and um, it's pretty. Is that on nice. your website? Actually, on your website. It really uh, should, but legal won't let us write that word. All right, all right, all right. Legal says no to a lot of We're things. Trying. So, but anyways, <laughs> in the marketing meetings, it's a lot of like, how do we? What what can we do to maintain that authenticity? And from what goes on on beer packaging to what events we're throwing to what athletes we're sponsoring <clears> and stuff like that. I mean, we we definitely have an identity that is um, that is uh, pretty apparent within the whole. Uh, you know, AB portfolio, but then in, in craft in general. Um, and so we're trying to now just... We always push it. Yeah, we push the envelope definitely a lot. push it. Um, which is great. It's it's uh, it's awesome to work for a company like that. And again, there's a perception that that doesn't happen if you're owned by AB, which I love having these conversations with folks. And uh, I've been on the road for years with uh, other breweries as well, um, which is the same thing, right? You know, they think that's this were robots and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It is nice. We have an office now, so we have an, an actual desk and some conference rooms. Um, but other than that, uh, and I'll probably touch on that again later when we talk about ingredients. But um, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a fun world to be in. When do you guys think of um, just the reality of of getting your message out there? Um, social media and technology obviously has a huge influence on how we communicate with our potential customers and and other brands. Um, do you guys have dedicated people when it comes just to social media and how do you 
how do you describe what you guys are doing well and where there can be room for improvement? Because there is no roadmap to good social media marketing. It's like whatever works is great. And if you get a home run, then everyone pats herself on the back and said, all right, let's keep, let's keep double down and whatnot. But what have you guys found in terms of has worked for your individual brand? How do you reach them through technology and social media platforms? You know, for Steven Still, social media is uh, is key because uh, I, I have to be honest. I just started Instagram like two months ago. <laughs> How is it? You're two months in. I got like 450 <laughs> followers. I'm, I'm kind of happy about it. Um, but I figure, you know, what? I need to do that to get this brand out there. I have a couple of my other brands that I make on there as well. But uh, it's going to be super important to be able to advertise. It's free advertisement and yeah. and and to be able to get you know different social. Uh, events and be able to you know see other people sharing your wine and drinking wines and they comment on it and, and your guys' beer and and bourbon. I mean it's 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 just cool to see that back you know, when you're you know looking at Instagram and uh, I'm thinking about maybe doing a Facebook soon. But I think we also have a team uh, in our IT department and uh, that that you know does the, does do a lot of the social media for us. And you know Matt's on there and and so is uh, Katie over here that uh, they they do a really good job with it. Yeah, it's funny because when you think of uh, just the lifestyle or wine in general and that lifestyle type of brand vertical, people don't associate like it. Like you're not going to be on your phone and drinking wine. It's not like it's not like the the connection. I wouldn't make it as tough, uh, strongly as some of these other kind of things. At being at a party and in a bar, um, what have you found in terms of the industry as a whole when it comes to other winemakers? Are they jumping onto onto these social platforms? They are. They really are. And um, and be able to see the, uh, con- the consumers uh, post pictures of them holding the bottle, drinking the glass, the occasions that they're at. Um, it's growing tremendously, and I think it's going to be very key for our industry. Uh, we were just talking about earlier over a, a glass of wine, a glass of Steven still, by the way, uh, uh, how it's key, how the e-commerce is super important. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be super valuable moving forward, and it's, it's a must. Yeah. Um, and in the bullet aspect, um, I've been, like I said, I've been with them for a while. Even before that, um, worked with Spirits a lot. I've seen a lot personally and with the brand uh, that's worked and not worked. Um, I, and hopefully I don't get burned at the stake for saying this, but I'm not a real avid believer in Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I believe there's a lot more visual content and lifestyle when it comes to Instagram. Um, you know, you got your 15 seconds of retention from everybody that's looking at it. And mm-hmm. I feel like on Facebook, you can kind of go and go and go. Um, so I do think that Instagram is a great platform for that. Uh, do we have dedicated people to do that? Myself, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I, we also have other people that you know do bar visits or restaurant visits, and yes, they're taking pictures of cocktails and menus and all that stuff. But what we really focus on, uh, we have a our bullet team. We have five here in the U.S., um, and then we also have a handful, about fifteen, all over the world. Um, and if you check out any of their pages, I mean, it just it is lifestyle, you know what I mean? And you got someone in Berlin posting stuff, you know, with the, the newest band out over there. You got someone in Austria doing something over there. And I'm a big movie buff. So like, you know, I know that this stuff is influential. Um, you know, you watch somebody, you know, I could be watching one of the shows on Showtime and seeing the bottle that they pull out and whether I'm like jealous that it's not our bottle, or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or it's something that they're, you know, that they're tasting and, and you know, they enjoy it or they're not enjoying it the right way whatever it may sure. be you know what i mean it's it definitely strikes an eye even before i was doing brand work and um you know having those things having stuff like people seeing the bullet woody underneath the mammoth mountains with everybody around and having a good time like people want to be there you sounds know sounds like mean? a little fomo you're leaning into like it is. Little, like <laughs> wish you were here yeah it is it is it but is. that's a big part of 
social media, I mean, it's, it's hard to deny the fact that social media is really just like sharing with your community and your people of where you're at, what you're doing right now. And well, and I and I made this, com you know, this comment where, you know, had this conversation with multiple people. I mean, I love Super Bowl commercials, but, you know, how much do how much do people pay for a spot, a right. you know, a two minute spot on TV during the Super Bowl that most people TiVo or like, you know what I mean? And then imagine if you were to have people out there doing what we do, you right. know what I mean? Actually living the brand, actually talking to people, creating that experience and not sitting there with your fingers crossed, hoping that someone watched the commercial during the Super sure. Bowl. You know what I mean? And, you know, so that's just oh, one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> we arrived. So, yes. So, that's what it was. <laughs> can, so, I, yeah. can I comment real quick? You yeah, please. No, keep going. Social keep media. Going. So we do have a, a specific social media person um, who's fantastic. Solely dedicated to Yeah. Them. And I don't. What is their life like? I don't like, envy <laughs> their job whatsoever. Yeah. For two reasons. Well, Loves pizza. Yeah. One, <laughs> one plays into the whole um, wish you were here. Like, there's, if you go yeah. through our social posts and all that stuff, it's a lot of outdoor pics, right? It's a lot of that lifestyle that we talked about already, which is right. awesome because you want that to be shared and that moment you're at the top of a mountain to have a pub beer or trail beer or whatever. Um, but there's the just like, a, sorry, there's like a hundred cans opening right now. It's like the most amazing sound I've heard. You just showed up. Timing. All right, it was heavy. Go ahead. <laughs> um, and then the other, uh, obviously the, yeah, you have the social media side of it, but um, we all love our, our favorite trolls. And in the craft beer world, there's a bajillion of them. And other um, companies or other, pe other uh, people? Just, just people okay. that are very passionate <laughs> about whatever it is they're passionate about. Um, yeah. Usually craft beer. Still figuring it, that part yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been a very big uh, policy uh, up until I think now that, you know, kill them with kindness, right? And right. Um, you can only do so much. So Ashley, who is not this Ashley, no, Ashley no. does a no. social media. Her job is literally reading through those posts and just responding and whatever. Um, and we uh, use all platforms. We use Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. We have a blog. Our like, demo's like 19 to 34, so like that. And I think something that maybe we sort of touched on a little bit ago is like kind of keeping up with like the changes in social media with the algorithms. Like Facebook just changed, for example. Yeah, sure. Right? So you can't just post something on your business page and then have it go to the direction and the people that you want it to go to. You have to collab with people. Like we collab a lot with like Mount Bachelor. Mount Bachelor posts something and their page is an actual like non-business page that can like get to those 40,000 people, whereas they don't get to our 40,000 yeah. because it all changed. So I think that's something to like really stay on top of is like the changes that are happening with the algorithms and the platforms that we use. Um, I think that's super important for a business to understand that because if you don't, you're not going to get Finding that balance of using your partners to help as well, right? Because We do a ton yeah. of collabs mm -hmm. and we have we ex hope that they would want to help us out mm -hmm. and share what we have and what we can do and vice versa. But yeah. I'm sure, that changing I'm sure with you guys, I knew. You know, it's a lot of the same stuff like that we probably deal with. I mean, it's great having social media, but, you know, being working for the company and it's different than somebody who doesn't work for the company. If they were to post something with Bullet or, you know, with Ted Barrows or, you know, Steven Steele. But we have to be careful. I mean, it's it's it is spirits. It is alcohol. So you have to be careful. So, you know, if I love a 1930, what you know, hot rod car or something that's just awesome and I want to take a picture with a bottle of bullet and I'm like, it looks great to me, but then I'm getting blown up by, you know, yeah. like legal. They're like, what yep. are you doing? You know what I mean? Because it's drinking and driving and yep, it's just yep. a perception. So yep. there's a lot of red tape there. But, you know, and that's why we try to rely on, on people to have the experience and them to post naturally organically you know yeah, great so. point. and that was my second point was we have a 
we have a ton of brand ambassadors and they're basically expected to at least do something here or there or share or be an advocate. And most of them are, for the most part, unpaid and they're doing it because they love it. And it, it helps us out with the lifestyle thing because they're doing it with their paddleboard. They're doing it after work on their mountain bike ride or their road ride or, you know, hikes in the forest or whatever lake. Like, so brand ambassadors really, really help. You give them free shit, they'll do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the word that was mentioned was partner. And I think when we think of where we are today, partnering all together to to be on the side of a mountain and talk about this stuff. Um, it takes the biggest currency, which is time. And I think time is hard to come by nowadays. And that's when we speak, when we think about social media, we think about, you know, we know the red flags of things that turn us off and we unfollow and we don't want them to take more, more of our time up. How have you found that um, when you know that time is a real currency, like how do you navigate once again, like reaching your audience? It doesn't have to be social media, like even experiential marketing like we are here of getting face to face with people and having a real interaction and, and naturally, you know, getting a little more out of it than just money. I think, I think one thing that we've done a lot this year, and maybe you've done this with your previous craft experience, but, um, we go test the field. Like we go send a crew to witness X, Y, Z event and just see how it would fit for us. Right. See if we want to invest the money in it later. Um, I know we invest a little bit due tour. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we went there and our comeback from that was like, we're going to go 10 times bigger next year, like, because we can, because they loved us in XYZ. So like testing the field, like if you have the resources, resources to send a person or two to an event just to hang out and like sit in the crowd and listen or whatever, like do that and just see if it's like, hey, worth it before you, you know, jump in with the funds, if you, whether you have them or not. And I think testing the field, seeing what's out there. Um, going to events just go to your local events and like meet people it doesn't have to be something like this where it's right. like you know what i mean like go to the brew fest go to the I can't yeah, it's, yeah it's a two it's a two part like obviously you got the sales side and you got the marketing side right which i'm sure you guys under, understand and the marketing side which i've been on the whole time i've been on the sales side i get it um because i'm a business guy but the marketing side is that experience, right? I want to be involved in things that create these experiences for consumers or wholesalers or whoever that you leave and you're like, holy shit, that was awesome. You know, and somehow they correlate it with the beer that you're drinking. And then you have the events that um, are strictly just, you know, for volume sales, right? So it's kind of finding that happy balance in between those things that so your brand is represented the right way and mm -hmm. authentic in, in both situations, yeah. if you will. How about you, James? Yeah, being a winemaker, I mean, I'm like living in the vineyard and the cellar. So being able to get out, do, do the outposts, I mean, this is kind of new for me. And and this is awesome to be able to interact with the this group. This whole two days have been awesome. So I'm looking forward to doing more, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, because one, I love to talk wine and uh, to be able to have a brand that has such a cool image and, and, and cool product, to be able to, it's easy to speak to. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I enjoy it. And uh you know, get the positive feedback that I get back from it is uh, it really it's awesome. So uh, I love these these events. I look mm -hmm. forward to more of them, and uh, uh, it gets me out of the winery every once in a while. To, you know, let's oh, talk wine. I will say the same thing for our brewers. Like yeah. we take them on the road. Take we have some tours that we do, and it's like they've never seen people. Before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Yeah. What should I do? How can I help? And I'm like, actually, people. just talk yeah. to people. Yeah, and they know love it, right? Yeah, because again, like your day to day is just grinding, grinding, grinding. Right. And, you know, it takes time. It's very awesome, but to see your product that you spent so much time 
in someone's hands that you don't know and see them love it is the coolest thing. It is awesome and it's really rewarding. And uh, yeah, and I, you know, I love drinking wine. I just love drinking beer, <laughs> bourbon, all this. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So I mean, uh, the same question for you, um, Kyle, but I, I would say like you guys have been doing experiential marketing for a while when you guys were showing me some of your photos of what the type of stuff you guys are doing. Like, I think it comes more of like, what can we do different than we did before? Like, maybe you can talk about some of the, the stuff you guys have been doing. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, well, starting off, I mean, we have a, a program called Frontier Works. Um, Frontier Works is where, you know, our founder, Tom Bullitt, is a entrepreneur. Um, he is somebody who literally went to, he was a Marine. He went to law school. You know, he... He essentially took his great grandfather's recipe and he started a company and, you know, went out and, you know, as my manager says, you know, a singer songwriter just starts, you know, handing out tastes and getting people excited about the brand, you know, fast forward from 1984 to now, um, you know, bourbons are already exploded, you know, people are really excited about it, you know, and now it's like, you have a hundred bourbons or whiskeys behind the bar. Why do you pick that one bottle? Right. Is it because of the way it looks? Is it because of the way it tastes, you know, cause it's a high rye mash bill. Um, is it because of an experience you had at Mammoth? Is it, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's it's a, a lot of stuff. So what we started doing is, what are people excited about right now? You know, what's what's making people's eyes pop? What's making them spend more than that 15 seconds on that feed? You know what I mean? Um, or what's making it, you know, something pop up as a, a very popular spot for art, you know, and what's highlighting that? Like our, you know, if you go to Grand Central Market in Los Angeles, we have a massive billboard where we had an artist come in and they did this LA centric artwork. And then we had the neon queen, Lisa Schulte come in and she bent all this into this beautiful just piece of work, you know, art. And it wasn't really, I mean, bullets in there, it has our logo, but like, it's all this stuff that has to do with LA. You know what I mean? So people go and it's like a selfie magnet, you know what I mean? But, um, and that's one of the things we did. And before that we did, you know, we got 24 different tattoo artists together and we had them each tattoo a piece of leather and much to their pain because they said it was like tattooing a mummy. Um, you know, it was like nothing smears yeah. right. And like, you know, so we learned from that yeah, too. Sure. But, but we also got a lot of good content out of that and talking to them and the different styles of artwork that they do so we never what we found that works is we don't want bullet to be the event right mm -hmm. we want the event to be there and bullet to be what you remember when you had a good time at that event so and i think that's what is really key it's it's a highlight it's like you know your birthday is the event but you just might ha you know have had staven steel or bullet or tim barrel there you know mm -hmm. and that to us has worked very well now when it comes to the marketing side of things, you know, the neon, the, the tattoo, that's the idea, right? That's what people are into right now. Bullets, just the highlight. And we're, you know, helping that along, uh, you know, in some ways. And we're try always trying to come up with new ideas because it doesn't always stick. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's, that's kind of wh where we go with that as far as marketing. Goes. Awesome. So shifting gears, talking about ingredients, not just in terms of what's in the bottle, but talking about the ingredients of your story, ingredients of your interact. I think it, ingredients is like an opportunity to talk about processes, talk about legacy. There's a lot more around ingredients than just what, you know, we're going to consume. So when you guys think about the ingredients and how you include that into your story, what have you found? Because when I look at your websites, I get it really quickly of like what type of story you're trying to tell. But when, when you're trying to convince somebody, why should I, I get this versus something? How do you lean into ingredients or process or, you know, why your yours is better than the other or different? 
Well, when it comes to Staven Steel, uh, from a winemaker's point of view, I've always been the the winemaker that pushes the boundaries, and I've always wanted to do something different. And that's what kind of, you know, really kind of really get me really excited about uh, Staven Steel. Um, really, when it comes to this one, I got a lot of things that I'm quite proud of. It's it's 100% Cabernet, so there's no blending whatsoever involved. So that's kind of, you know, challenging in itself because I'm giving the consumer that this is what the vineyard gives you, and uh, and I'm quite pr- you know very proud of it. Uh, the second thing is it's a hundred percent bourbon barreled age. So some of my competitors can't say that and, and, but, you know, be able to give an authentic product to our consumers is awesome. Um, and it's aged for four months. And like I said, going back, I did almost two years of testing and I actually had those barrels that I got and I test and I tasted every month as through the, as the process went and, you know, real tough job, right? Having to taste <laughs> wine every day. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that I had the right drinkability. And I use this term called drinkability factor. Uh, cause I want, cause the bourbons as amazing as it is, can't overpower the, the natural varietal of a Cabernet. Um, so there's this fine line. Cause I want, you know, I want you to be able to go drink that entire bottle uh, at night and uh, go back to the store and buy it again the next day. That's the way the millennials work. <clears throat> and I think uh, a lot of people work that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And um, so really, I, so I tested all the way up to 12 months and it's like really the magic number was uh, going backwards. It was four months to okay. age this in. So um, yeah. So four months, hundred percent Cabernet, hundred percent bourbon barrel age. Um, yeah. Pretty excited about it. Awesome. How about you guys? terms of ingredients um one we have a funny story about the hops in our first flagship beer i think joe ipa that's here right i brought joe ipa so joe ipa which you guys can try uh later today uh if you haven't already um started out uh with the name sam so i guess we just have an affinity for three-letter names we're really good at coming up with super creative yeah (laughs) (laughs) joe sam very uh very simple but sam stood for simcoe amarillo and mosaic which were the three hops that were in the beer um, and I don't know how long it took before we got a cease and desist from Sam Adams. It was when we start, uh, I think it was when we bottled it. Yeah. Versus we started, it, yeah. I think. Great timing. You start seeing Great the label everywhere. And you're like, no, I don't think so. Um, so that quickly switched to Joe because Joe's just your, your average guy that just likes to do all kinds of things. Um, so speaking of ingredients, but in terms of in- ingredients, um, you know, craft beer, which I'm sure you all drink, you know, craft is so, um, uh, focused on the ingredients, right? I mean, if you can't make a, a good, flavorful beer, whether whatever whatever style it is, um, on a consistent front, you know, that's what's going to bring people back drinking your beer over and over again. And it's hard. It, I personally never brewed beer, um, but it's not easy to make um, on any level a, a specific beer good for years and years and years. It's just not, um, including lagers. Lagers are the hardest beer to make, um, which a lot of people don't, I think, uh, understand. Um, but it, it comes down to ingredients. You know, if you have to have the right the right stuff, um, wherever you're getting it from, or, or ho- however you're getting it, it uh, it makes a big play into your end product, which is pretty self-explanatory. Did something change when um, you guys were brought into Anheuser Busch? What, what like that's that's always the question. Okay, it's no longer special anymore because some big conglomerates taken over this identity. What was the what was the shift that happened then when so, it came to that? Joe is a great example of that. Joe was only a seasonal beer. We couldn't afford to buy the hops that were used to make Joe year round. Um, So after the acquisition, we were with um, the help from AB, we were able to buy the the type of hops from where we needed it. Um, I believe AB owns that hop field. Um, So we were able to get the hops year round and now Joe's made year round. Um, So that is a benefit though, because people wanted that beer everywhere and we weren't able to make it. I think the other 
aspect to the question is we do currently still only brew off a 50-barrel brewing system, which is not that big. Um, now, with our new facility and our new packaging line that we had help building, um, we are able to actually make beer for people throughout the U.S. to have consistently. Um, we currently have the opposite problem where we now can't brew it fast enough because our <laughs> packaging system is too fast. So it's kind of this like kind of double-edged sword. Yeah. But I think like A and B is like your uh, sugar daddy, right? They're they're Uncle AB. Uncle AB. Uncle AB. I get it. It's a touchy <laughs> subject. College. It's a touchy subject, right? Depending yeah. on how you view craft, and yes, we call ourselves craft because we make beers on a, a smaller scale, not a, a mass-produced volume. Um, we, not us personally, but like our our brewery in Bend, right? And even the pubs still do small batch, ten barrel brewing system beers. Um, but yes, obviously with that that bio, which um, you know the the founders, the twin brothers, and their friends. You know, if you're a business owner, it's like what you strive for when you you start a craft beer uh, brewery. But it you gain that access, you gain that access yeah. to the quality of ingredients, the consistency of ingredients. Um, which yeah, I mean it's. You know, if you're a small craft brewer, it's kind of uh, it's kind of hard because yeah, you have to scrap a little hard and be more of a hustler to to find those ingredients. Um, so it is, it's a, it's a nice benefit to have. Um, I think no another thing that goes along, at least for us, with ingredients is like Tanya's story, where Tanya is our R and D brewmaster. Um, she's one of the fir- she is the first female brewmaster that we had. We now currently have two two or three others, um, but um, she gets she basically was the first or one of the first brewers to come up with the the crush series the sour beers that are able to be kettle brewed and that was a huge aspect in the brewing um, side of fields in the side of things to be able to make a sour beer in the volume that we are now able to make it and that was her yeah. right and so i think that and 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 on that note like our brewers get to experiment with everything like we have brewers putting ghost jalapenos in bourbon barrels we have them putting you know the craziest thing and they'll pull us in and be like do you want to taste this thing or whatever and i that's like my favorite aspect of it is they're still allowed to experiment they're still given the opportunity to have their like side passions along with their day-to-day like products that we need to get out in the market and that's something i think that ten barrel really values in in and having them able to do that yeah we have some like culinary background brewers as well right so they yeah. incorporate that whole education into the beers and have fun with it mm-hmm. you know it's funny um you know being on the brand side of things for a long time i know how that feels being having a story and having a brand that is craft or is as a family story, you know, bullets, it's family, it's heritage, it's like all that stuff. And, you know, if you were to walk into some of these bars or talk to somebody, they're like, oh, you're with Diageo. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like the biggest spirits company. You guys are the conglomerate. You yeah. guys are the bad guy. But I always, you know, how I respond to that, I, you know, I kind of struggled with it inside. And I, I look at somebody, I was like, well, you work for somebody. You know what I mean? Does that make you exactly how they are? Yeah. You know what I mean? You have an iPhone. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's funny and it, it's, it's a trend to feel that way. But, you know, I definitely feel your pain on that one. But it, it does have its benefits. Yep. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it makes you walk a straighter line. Yeah. Absolutely. It helps from a, I mean, all kinds of different helps, but to her point, exactly that, that experimentation still goes on even, you know, 20 fold what it did before, because we can now. So, and every time someone does that to me, that's what I try to say is like, you know, that you just don't, you just don't know. Like we still have full, our brewers still have full access to their beers. If someone's making it wrong, they have the access, they have the, they can say, no, you can't make it like, no, 
right? And so, and they get to make all these experimental beers that we sell in our pubs that get to some bars, they get to some areas. Um, but I mean, we just won so many awards because they're allowed to still do that, right? Mm. Like we yeah. take them off to all these different brew fests and not, you know, and I'm sure you guys enter things like that as well, but it's really cool to see them kind of like they have their goals. Awesome. You guys need more beer? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I never turn over. I'd love to, um, yeah, does anyone have- if anyone has a question, please let me know and uh, we'll check it. Anyone have a question right now? Any questions? Questions? Have you guys no, had Stephen still since you've been here? So far, so good. Something I, I think Kyle. F- <laughs> Not right now. Not right. What <laughs> Caleb was trying to ask a question. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't even hear you. So, so the question um, was, what is bottle rubbing? Yeah. <laughs> bottle <laughs> rubbing. It could be a lot of different things. See, yeah. So um, I'm kind of throwing around this idea. I'll probably get in a lot of trouble just for my opinion sometimes, but uh, this is it's different. This it's different. I haven't, I haven't yeah. actually got to see this yet. I mean, I've seen it finished product, but essentially what it is, is we have a patented bottle. It's a beautiful bottle, right? It's it's that snake oil salesman feel like it's it's got that and it's our bottle, right? So what could we do to bring that bottle, bring more attention to it and like have people be able to interact with it? So, you know, you've seen different, you know, wall rubbings or gray rubbings where they do artwork and they kind of shade it out, right? Well, we have, we, you know what I mean? We have the, the letter stand out and you're able to actually do that. And then what they do is they blow it up and they have artists come in and they play with that bottle rubbing canvas essentially. Um, or, you know, bartenders can play with it as far as menus or they, there's so many different avenues to go with it. Um, tattoo and neon are near and dear to my heart. So it's really hard to, you know, roll out. I love that it brings it to the bottle, but then again, we're not focusing like part of the ingredients question that you had is like, you know, like I said, Tom Bullitt's an entrepreneur. The reason that we did the neon thing, the reason that we did the tattoo thing is these guys are actually out there starting their own businesses with tattoo. You know, Lisa Schulte is working with the Museum of, of Neon Art and Mona, and they're doing their own thing and, and fabricating these amazing pieces of work and we're highlighting it. I don't want to bring it back to just that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I guess it depends on who's doing the bottle rubbing. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'd like to think that that's how I'll activate or, you know, throw my events is it's the people who are doing it. I know that's probably what they have in mind, um, but that's, yeah. That's the bottle rub. I think something just to mention too, like when we talk about small batch, there's also something that you guys did was the 10 year. Yeah. Maybe touch upon why that was needed, why you guys wanted to do that. What was the difference? So Tom Bullet is a phenomenal man. Um, I literally, whenever I talk to him, I, I, I just get lost. Like, because I'm, he's so nice, he's witty, and he's just, he's there. You know what I mean? He's present. Um, he also has a huge play in what we do. You know what I mean? And the way that happens is he travels around to all his you know places where people love bullet even to places where people might not know bullet and he will ask them what do you want next you know what i mean like we've we've done a bourbon we've done a rye you know what's next you know and someone's like oh we want an aged spirit you know what i mean and then we did that and then he went around and he asked you know in our tenure for those of you that don't know is 10 years old and it does have older whiskey in it but 10 years is the the youngest whiskey in the bottle um it is a little bit higher in proof, but due to, to the mellowing from the, the barrel, it actually is unbelievably smooth. Um, 
I can contest to that. It is yeah, very smooth. It is. <laughs> and for anybody that has participated in sipping on the other new expression that we have, which is our barrel strength, um, the first one that came out was 119 proof, and this new one uh, that some of you might have tasted at the last outpost, or this one, um, is 125.4. Um, but I don't think I've met a person yet that has said that this – tastes really hot i could never drink that right like they've tried it neat and it's smooth yeah and that's what we love about it i mean we got a high rye you know um makeup of that and people enjoy it and it's it's got a you know it's just, it's just very smooth but that being said when it comes to the different expressions it's like okay we did a 10 year all right now we've done a barrel strength and that came from him asking everybody we call it future and founders right mm. and it's the future of the brand which is the people right the family that we call the frontier family and then it's also the founders, it's the people who actually have carried it this far. And, you know, the consumer, the, the bartenders, the people that actually helped this brand come to where it's at. We rely on everybody to for our brand to succeed. Um, but, you know, the, the newest one out right now is uh, the barrel strength. And so now he goes, and he's like, so what are we going to do next? You know, and so the two they're throwing around right now is a 10-year rye or a barrel strength rye. So... Yeah, so that it's like he says, and this is what he always says, he's like, I like symmetry. So, you know, if I have one, I got to have the other. The rye has to compete with the, you know, the bourbon. And so it's like a set. But, you know, the flavored, I don't know if you saw the shirt, the whiskey flavored whiskey. Um, we won't be doing flavored whiskeys. So, okay. um, but, you know, so it's it's more about kind of creating these expressions that people want. Yeah, I think lastly, what, the question I want to ask you guys is, um, I think when we're here at Outpost, uh, there's a community, there's an environment, there's a space that's created, and then you leave and you go back to where you, where you were before. Um, what can you say or what can you do, do you think, to continue what's been established here through other spaces within your brand, within your company? Because I think what's unique about Outpost is that you bring a bunch of strangers together and somehow everyone gets along in a really amazing way. Is that the no bullshit policy? <laughs> 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 but I really, I, the question is, what do you what do you think is the biggest challenge of uh, when it comes to taking what was learned here and continuing that throughout, you know, the next week, the next month, the next year? I'll, I'll jump in real quick. I mean, obviously, yeah, I think the biggest thing is time, right? So we, we're mainly on the activation event side of things. And, you know, we have our calendar planned out. Yes, it keeps evolving. But I think the coolest thing about being involved in stuff like this is now having more resources to reach out to down the line for, hey, we're doing this cool thing. You should got, you guys should be a, a part of it. Or, hey, let's collab on this cool thing. Or, like she yeah, said, we're like, big on collabs and stuff. But <clears throat> Totally. It's like TGR Tour, for example. Like, we collabed with a whiskey brand to come with us, not knowing that not everyone there was going to, like, love beer. And it's, like, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. we can yeah. pull away from this sort of a thing. But, yeah, the hardest part is, like, when we go back, it's like, all right, you get back into the grind, and all of a sudden it's December, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> all right. I we guess at we Squall Valley, if anyone wants to come hang out with me yeah, Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Are you plug, it? You plug in the event right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, for me, this was a this is a huge learning experience, you know, and uh, to be able to you know be in this room, talk to you guys, talk wine. Uh, I think we'll pull back and and say, hey, you know, what did we learn from this event? And you know, we got a couple other ones coming up uh, that we're pretty excited about attending, and and uh, one in Austin and one in Mendocino County, I believe. And yeah, I mean, this for me, I mean, get me out of the winery, talk wine, man, no brainer. Sign me up. Yeah, no, uh, so as far as Bullet goes, uh, I already had, like, a, from the last outpost, you know, 
when I first came on, uh, I was sent out before I realized that I knew a few of the people here. Um, I was sent out to see what I thought about this event, right? Because it happens often in California. And, you know, it was a, hey, is it worth it? Hey, is it not? And I'm like, after I was done, I was like, it's extremely worth it. And it wasn't just because of the atmosphere where we were at. It was the people that were here. And I always tell people, you know, whenever they ask about Outpost, I'm like, okay, well, we all work events. We all work similar events or, you know, lifestyle events or whatever it may be. And we might both be there, but we're doing our job and we're engaging with the consumer or the people that are asking the questions. And as much as I would love to talk to him or him or her, it's like, you might not have that time. What Outpost has done is created that time and created a lot of things to encourage you to think outside the box and to be able to capture that and then walk away with it. And some of the best advice I've ever gotten is don't be a flake. I mean, everybody in this industry, it's so easy to not follow up or not, you know, pick up your phone or I'll get to it later. So to have a, you know, a place to do that is just, it's amazing. And like, even when I got here, like, I didn't know, um, I didn't know 10 Barrel, like, you know what I mean? Or, or Steven Steele. And I just got asked to do Best Coast Beer Festival. And they're like, well, you're gonna be like one of three spirits. And you know what I mean? So what beers do you wanna be near? And I was like, yes, is 10, bar is 10 Barrels gonna be there? You know what I mean? I was like, is 10 Barrels? I'm like, I'm, I'm hoping this is a good experience that I have with them. But I, I feel like, you know, Outpost has put together all the brands before and it's always been a good experience. So I threw that name out there and I threw some of our other beer partners because we do, you know, the whole Boilermaker thing. But, you know, and, and I'm hearing you talk about, you know, the bourbon barrels. And I'm like, you know, it's our, my wheels are already yeah. turning. It's like, you know, hey, maybe we can get you some bourbon barrels. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I need some. You know what I mean? I was like, what's more authentic than that? Yep. You know what I mean? And, yep. and it's fun. We're helping right. each other. You oh, see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, I'd love to um, keep talking, but unfortunately we've run out of time. But uh, obviously we still have the whole evening, which is going to go late into the night. So with that being said, <laughs> I want to just thank these guys for uh, showing up and sharing some of their knowledge. So thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming, everyone.